This is Navigating Now, the podcast to help find answers to the big questions we have about life. So welcome back. In our last episode, Gracie, Rob and Katrina helped us to navigate the wide world of social media. They explored three more big questions and heard advice on how we can better connect with people, balance FOMO, the fear of missing out, and learn how to appreciate the positives of social media while managing the negatives. They all picked out a piece of advice to try, and Gracie left us with an audio diary entry, sharing her progress trying out the advice. Gracie chose to review who she was following on social media, to make it feel like a safer space for her. Let's check back in with Gracie and find out if this bit of advice works for her. It is the end of the week. I've spent a whole week not following people that were not serving me a purpose, and I am so much happier. It's so weird how something so small and something that could be seen so insignificant has changed my emotions and changed the way that I interact with people, real people, so differently. Whereas before, I would spend ages looking at people on there who were just making me feel bad about myself. And I realized that I am so much happier without those people I talk to my friends a lot more, I hang out with them and I hang out with real people more often. And I think what I'm going to do next is I'm going to remove more people and I'm going to just get it down to the things that actually mean a lot to me. So this is the end of my audio diaries for social media. I hope this helped anyone and I hope that other people will take this advice on. Thanks for sharing your journey, trying out this piece of advice, Gracie. Maybe we should all be taking a look at who we follow on social media and thinking about how who we follow makes us feel. It's time to check in with Oni, who I'm having catch-ups with about previous episodes, and see if there's any advice from the episode on social media that she wants to try out in her life. I'd definitely say just give myself some space and some time away from my phone and away from, like, social media. And, like, it's important to, like, work on yourself rather than looking at other people's lives, like, work on your own life. I'd say I need to, like, spend more time away from my phone. I think I'm going to do two things. I'm going to have a social media clear out. And also, I'm going to really try with this one, try and set a screen time limit. (laughs) That is, I know for me, it's going to be really difficult. I'm going to try my hardest and see what my screen time is and try to cut it down for like half an hour, an hour. (laughs) Not going to lie, that's going to be really tough. But wish us luck. So let's get into today's big theme. Today we're here to talk about community action, as we're all part of a community in one way or another. There are lots of ways to interpret the idea of community, whether that's our local communities in the areas we live in, communities linked to aspects of our identity, for example, ethnicity or gender identity, or communities brought together by things we like doing, such as sports, music and art. And we can take an active role in these communities, in person and also online. Whichever communities we're part of, community action is all about stepping up within our communities and hopefully making a positive difference to other people's lives, as well as our own. Your hosts for today are Craig, Hannah and Emma from our podcast group. I'm Craig, I'm he, him, I'm 21 and I'm from Berkshire. Hi, I'm Hannah, my pronouns are she, her, I'm 18 and I'm from Northamptonshire. I'm Emma, my pronouns are she, her, I'm 24 and I'm from Surrey. So Emma and Craig, 
Given community action can mean different things to different people, what communities are you a part of and what does community action mean to you? So community action really means getting involved in our local community, whether that be via region or identity. Yeah, there's lots of different communities that I've associated with, obviously ones that I've grown up with in terms of you know, scouts and young people, football teams, uh, and more so now um, work teams and university societies now, now that I'm growing up. So it's always important to have a great community around you. I really feel like having a great circle really helps to elevate you, really helps you learn and inspire. And Emma, what do you think? So I'm in a really nice dance group. We're always trying to support each other as well. I feel, for me anyway, I feel like I do take quite a supporting role and really try to make sure that everyone's feeling like they can do the best that they can. And But also like in your local community, there's stuff that goes on like near where I live and things, which is really nice. I have done volunteering like in the community, like in charity shops, things like that, which does make you feel a bit more part of your wider community where you live, which... Yeah, I think it's really nice, to be honest. What do you think, Hannah? What communities are you in? Well, I'm part of a very, you know, local Muslim community in my area. And I think just having that space, you know, where everyone can come and kind of just like have fun days out and spend time together. I also think communities where you kind of grew up in, like where you live, the people you meet. So I was lucky to kind of be involved in, we had to like renovate a pocket park. It wasn't open to the community and we fixed it up and then, people were able to come there more often. And it's just kind of seeing people become more in touch and like meeting neighbours, kind of taking walks. We're just really like proud to be a part of that. So I think that's also your community. I think your community is wherever you just identify with and kind of wherever you just feel most at, at home in a way. Over the past few weeks, we have been gathering questions on the theme of community action from around 30 or so other young people from across the UK who are helping to shape this podcast. Loads of questions were submitted for us to discuss today, but we've come up with three which we think get right to the heart of the theme we're talking about today. So here we go. Question one. How can we tackle global issues while solving local ones? First up is a bit of advice from the brilliant celebrity chef and community activist, Tom Kerridge. Hi, I'm Tom Kerridge. How do you tackle global issues while solving local ones? Well, global issues are global because I think small-scale local issues aren't dealt with in the first place. I'm a firm believer from looking after communities, a workforce, the people around you, the way that you view your community, your standing in your local community, your moral compass and your outlook on life is firmly grounded in the foundation of your surroundings of where you are. There is no point in trying to aim super high and attack that space if you haven't got your own, I suppose, house in order at the beginning. So, so much of the issues globally are only scaled up of the issues you're facing smaller. Like there's food poverty going on all over the world. There is issues with climate change all over the world. Irrespective of you live in a very nice big house in a beautiful part of the country, you are only five minutes away from somebody who's in some form of of food poverty, some form of social and economic situation that's not right. So focusing nearby local to you, how you help, what you can do, having a social conscious and a moral compass is in the right place. All those little pieces, if everybody worked like that, that global issues would suddenly, you'd find, start becoming less and less. Big battles always start with small little steps and that's local to you. And so if the person next door to you sees you doing something positive and moving forward, then it will just keep growing. 
So, Craig, what did you think about Tom's advice there? Yeah, well, I completely agree with it, really, in terms of how infectious good deeds are in that sense, where if you are then doing actions to help, then help the community, as you said, the person next to you is more likely to, and then, you know, tell a friend, tell a friend, and suddenly everybody knows how to do it. So very much, as you say, keep your house in order, you know, see what you can do right first before then being able to lecture other people um, in terms of then what's best to do really in the community. But yeah, tremendous onus and also knowing about who's in your community. You know, yes, you might be all right, but then is your, you know, is your next door neighbour actually okay? You know, it also then comes back to more of a, if you ask someone how their day has been and they say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Are they really fine? You know, sort of see how many more layers you can go down. Yeah, I just echoing what Tom said. I think that it's important to start local I think there's no point trying to aim high and tackle all the world's biggest questions and all the world's biggest problems because it's scaled up local issues so you need to start I mean next door if it's just helping a neighbor helping someone five minutes down the road I think it's important to kind of tackle the issues in your local area that are personal to you before you kind of scale up the list Mm. Yeah, because I was just going to jump in there because at the end of the day, I was just thinking we are all part of the like the big picture, if you like, the whole of like the world. So if you can just focus on just doing one small thing at a time that's, you know, close to you, that's local to you, then that is going to be making a difference in the global picture. We've also received this voice note from Juliet in response to this question you've heard in the first episode. Honestly... Tackling every issue on every scale, global and local and personal and work and however many scales you want to count is just not possible or sustainable for everyone or anyone. I mean, we just run out of resources. In terms of taking decisive action, it is probably more helpful to have a few leading causes to champion and support with your limited resources, both time and financial. I mean, whatever resources we're talking, they are limited, right? But rather pick a few that you can actually make a difference on. I think it's enormously important to try and deliberately empathize with issues outside of your chosen ones. If someone comes to you and tells you about a horrible disaster abroad, just to be able to empathize with them is extremely important. But if everyone manages their resources properly and has understanding of their local and global community, we can all make little pieces of the world better and make little steps in the right direction so that the world can get slightly better on several fronts at once. I think Juliet had some sound advice there. I think you can't fix everything. Like you can't just suddenly be like, okay, I'm going to change the world. There's too many issues. There's too many like things going on. Like you have to, yeah, she was saying, just picking a few things that you feel like you can make a difference on. It was really insightful advice. I feel like we all have different skills because we all we all are different people. We've got different likes and dislikes. And finding certain causes to champion that you support with your resources and your time and your energy, I feel like that's what's important. And it, we're more likely for people to get more involved because they're actually interested in it. I understand the point that we can't focus on all the causes in the world, but I think it's important to be aware of all of them and try our hardest to kind of get involved in as many as possible that we are able to, to kind of make the world a better place. But what do you think, Craig? Yeah, no, I also think you know, she's obviously mentioned about disasters abroad and you know, these sort of large scale events, which I don't think we'll sort of truly understand the magnitude of. It's really being able to then try our best to educate ourselves in empathising with those 
with those people to then be able to help support those those projects because whilst it's very easy to focus on bits and pieces that directly affect you i think it's also important to understand these large-scale events that are impacting so many millions of people and be able to support them as well it was really interesting to hear what craig hannah and emma have had to say on that first question which is such a big question but also so important now on to question two When is the right time to find your voice and stand up for the things you believe in? We received lots of advice in response to the second question in particular. So let's hear some of it. First up, Tom Kerridge. When's the right time to find your voice and stand up for the things you believe in? I think the right time is when you are very comfortable with it and you're confident with it. There's no point in making noise and shouting like empty hollowness because it might resonate at first. But unless you completely understand it, truly believe it and can back it up, those beliefs can easily pop and you can become discredited. You have to have a true belief, an understanding. And I think probably most importantly is you talk from your own experience. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have been through the experiences that you want to talk about and that you want to lend a voice to and you want to highlight or showcase. But it does mean that you have to have an understanding of the people that you might be trying to help, the people that you are trying to represent. For example, the full-time meals campaign and, and everything that we do with Marcus Rashford. I grew up from a single parent family. You know, we qualified for free school meals. But now, growing up and coming from that environment and looking back and being able to try and understand it, you can truly voice because you've been there. You know it and you can sense it and understand it. So there we go. Some excellent advice there from Tom Kevich. Emma, what do you think of that? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how he was saying you have to really believe in what you're saying and you have to know what you're talking about inside out because obviously, yeah, you could get discredited or there could be holes that you haven't quite picked up on in what you're saying. Or So, yeah, you have got to believe in what you're saying but you also have to know about what you're saying as well which I feel like is really important because I feel like especially in this day and age where on the internet any old Joe can put anything out there and actually being a little bit critical and a little bit like when we are taking in this media and these like loud voices on the internet actually questioning it a bit and being a a little bit sceptical and just being like okay let me let me just look into it a bit and see the other side of the story or things like this. So yeah, I feel like not just making quick judgments, I think is what he's getting at. Hannah, what are your thoughts? Something that stood out for me was when he said, there's no point making noise and shouting like empty hollowness. Um, and the fact that it's emphasising the fact that you really need to understand the cause that you're backing. You need to believe in it, you need to understand it. As you mentioned, you might not have to have experienced it, but you need to be well first upon what it's about if especially if you're not involved in that community you might just you know not be representing them in the way that they should be represented and I think you also have to be passionate about it you need to be ready to take change and ready to start there's no point just you know someone's speaking up I should as well I don't really believe in it but I'm going to do it as well I feel like you should put your heart and soul into it because you're making change and you should be proud of it absolutely and really sort of building on what Emma said in terms of the internet with different places. I mean, it's fantastic to be able to educate ourselves. It's a fantastic resource to be able to find out about different communities, find out about different people's struggles and whatnot. Whilst also, I I do accept what you're saying in terms of 
we can't take anything as gospel. You know, I sort of try and use pieces of advice as a resource. I won't ever take it as 100% this person's correct. I'll listen to what they've got to say before they're making my own judgment. The next piece of advice we have in response to this question has been sent in from Kaylee, who's part of our podcast group. The right time to raise your voice and make use of your views and opinions is when you are passionate about a subject that you are interested in but want to see a change happen to improve how these subjects impact your life and other people's lives. But your voice can also be used to explain how subjects that interest or impact you are positive and not just how what you believe and stand by can be improved and made better. So you gain two different perspectives. And if you have voiced your opinion and you haven't fully got your point across that you wanted, stick to what the conversation topics are based on and be honest and remember to be clear in what you're saying and most importantly, be yourself. I think the key point from this is be yourself. Especially when you're speaking out, I feel like there's times where you might feel all the issues are too big, you can't get lost to yourself in all of it. And I think it's important to stay true to yourself and true to what you believe in. And um, it's important to gain two perspectives. I like how she kind of gave advice on if you voice your opinion and you haven't fully got your point across, like a way to kind of approach that differently, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. The key part of that, I agree, is, is just be yourself. You know, whilst other people are, are making different bits of noise and trying to get their agendas across, I think it's got to be, as you say, listen to different sides of the argument, come to your own conclusions, make your own decisions on different issues, don't just follow the crowd. Yeah, I mean, what both of you have said, I think, hit the nail on the head, to be honest. Like, I think... Just keeping it true to what you believe and trying not to get swept up or influenced with other, I don't know, other voices or other people have different agendas and just keep on like bringing it back to what you, what you originally proposed to, to say to the world, I suppose, and just keeping it real, keeping it true. Lucy from our podcast group offers the final piece of advice for this question. Hi. My name is Lucy. I'm 23 years old and I'm from Llanelli. I'm giving my advice in response to the question, when is the right time to find your voice and stand up for the things you believe in? I wanted to give advice in response to this question because a few years ago I founded my own mental health campaign, Renegades Foundation, a platform that provides a safe space for individuals to share their stories as well as raising awareness on a variety of topics and changing the way we speak about mental health. So my advice to this question is, Speak up before it's too late. Don't silence yourself for someone else's comfort. If everyone had the thought of, someone else will say something, someone else will say it instead of me, then nothing will be said and nothing will change. Of course, there is a way to say things. There's a time and a place. But if you don't start now, when will you? Don't leave it until things get worse and wish you had said something sooner. Connect with other like-minded people and you'll find your passion and beliefs will get stronger and you'll feel braver in your fight for change. Use the voice you have for the people who don't yet have one. Well, I think it's so impressive that she came up with her own campaign. Really, at 23, that's fantastic. Mm. Really great achievement uh, and shows that anyone can do it at any age. You don't need to wait for a certain time in your life to do it. If you feel really strongly about it and you want to make a change happen, you know, do it now, as, as, as she said, really. Um, you know, she said about there being a time and a place, you know, as long as you're polite about it, I don't really think it, do, it matters necessarily the time or the place. If it's if it's something that you are do feel so strongly about, 
and want to make a difference, then by all means, I think you should try and get your point across um, and to be able to, to change the community. Yeah, I like how, you know, she mentioned how you should connect with other like-minded people and you'll find that your passion and beliefs will get stronger and you'll feel braver in your fight. I think that's really important. I think the people you surround yourself with, the like-minded people, I think that being with them amplifies your voice even more. It gives you the confidence, it gives you the bravery to speak out. And I think it's essential. You need someone to kind of root for you from the sidelines to kind of say, you, you've got this. And I think that's really important to use the voice that you have for people who don't have one. And that's a very key point to make. Because if you don't start now, when will you start? Definitely. I just want to big up all the things that you just said, Hannah, because, yeah, you just got it all in one, really. I feel like having people around you definitely who do support you is really important because that can help to drive you in your quest, if you like, for like just saying what you want to say and, and the cause that you want to like give voice to. I feel like we're really getting into the meaning behind community action now. So far, we've discussed the relationship between local and global issues and standing up for the things you believe in. But now let's specifically think about the people we might be helping when we talk about positive change through community action. So question three, how can we better identify people who need our support and make sure we preserve their dignity when helping them? Tom Kerridge is back with some tips for us all on how to approach this question. How do we provide support to people? How do we preserve their dignity? How do we identify them? It's a really hard question. As human beings, we're very proud and quite often we don't want to ask because we don't want to be seen as lazy or we're embarrassed by our situation. So I understand why people would feel like that, of course. How do we find them is by touch points with community. I think there's a lot of organisations that help outreach and get close to people. I think becoming involved with charitable organisations or spaces that try to network and reach out to these people. The world would be a much nicer and a much better place if everyone was just a bit more compassionate and if everyone was just showed a bit more understanding and learned because everybody, all of us, have a thing. There's a thing. All of us have a story. And having an understanding that perhaps... People who are more vulnerable, you have to understand that they are worried about their dignity of what's gone wrong or why they're in that position. So if we were all a little bit more compassionate and understanding of everybody else, then we would be in a much nicer and a much better place. I think it's very easy in today's day and age to get so caught up in your own life uh, with that and then not really focus on other people. You know, it's so easy. We're all very, very busy people. So it's very, very easy to be able to look at your life and, and think about your life, but then not really about others. And as he said, everyone's got a story. We've all been through things that we might not feel comfortable talking about. So it's then having those uncomfortable situations and conversations, which you know, may not feel great at the time, but once you have actually had those conversations, it feels like a burden has been lifted off your shoulders. You know, you're then sharing that with other people, being able to then potentially find help. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I think the main thing that stood out for me with what he was saying was compassion. And I think, yeah, it's so easy to sometimes brush over something that you've, I don't know, seen on the news or heard about and, and you think, oh, it's so far away from like my problems. But actually having that compassion for other people and knowing that, oh, you know, like you could end up in a situation like that too. I also liked how he mentioned that if you 
don't know where to start, you should reach out to organisations that are already doing it. So kind of help you have that starting how to reach out to people, whether they, maybe they might provide you with some support of how to approach people in vulnerable situations and kind of network in that area. I think it's important if you don't know where to start. I also like how he mentioned that we're all just human beings. We all just need to be compassionate. We all just need to understand that we are proud people. It comes down to the point where sometimes when you are in a vulnerable situation, you're not going to want to receive help or be pitied. But you've got to also understand where they're coming from. So you can't just kind of retaliate. You've got to understand that this person's in a vulnerable situation. This is what I've got to do. I've got to support them regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think compassion is something that is so overlooked by lots of people in our community. You know, it's overcoming that sort of social anxiety, reaching out to that new person, and you never know where that conversation then takes you. Yeah, I think also it's just like a smile. A smile is infectious. I feel like anyone, they just smile at someone, even if you don't say anything to them, just knowing that someone's just smiling, you kind of makes your day feel better. The second piece of advice for this question comes from Jasmine, a member of our podcast group. Hi, my name's Jasmine. I'm 17 years old and I'm from London. And I'm going to be answering the question, how can we better identify people who need our support and make sure we preserve their dignity when helping them? So my answer would be that I always like to ask people if they need help, if they look like they might be struggling. And if they say no, then I'll say, brilliant, that's fine. I was just checking. Have a lovely day. Mostly, I get a really good response and they seem really touched. There's one time I saw an older lady waiting outside a supermarket with all her shopping around her. And she was sitting down and I thought, oh no, maybe she's feeling a bit ill. And I said, excuse me, are you okay? And she looked really surprised, but she looked kind of quite touched. She went, oh no, 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 I'm, I'm just waiting for a taxi. And I said, oh, good. Okay, good. I was just checking. And then she kind of paused for a second and then said, oh, but thank you for asking. Like, So that was really nice. And it just feels really good, I think, personally in yourself to have done that and to have tried. And I think a lot of the time for older people, they can get really frustrated when people just assume they need help and when they have things done for them, especially if they can do it themselves. So I think probably asking people if they need help and not insisting that you give them help, especially if they're older or have difficulties doing certain things is a really important thing. I think it's really interesting how, you know, the way she approaches people and kind of asks them if they need help, kind of instead of insisting that they should get help from them. I think it's really important to be careful of the way you approach people. I think for me, my random bit of kindness I like to do is say if I've got quite a big shop, and I know someone's got like one or two things. I always let them go in front of me. And it's something really small, but the response I get is just like, they feel so grateful. I think that it's important to continue doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely agree. And it's important in the in the mannerisms that you ask to, to provide that help for them. Yeah, I have worked at a supermarket as a sort of part-time job. And, you know, one of those things is you sort of are encouraged when you do see, you know, an, an elderly customer to be able to you know, ask if they need help packing their bags. But I don't think I was necessarily completely understanding in the original way that I was asking that question. So some people were a little bit more sort of snappy in their response or yeah, a bit more like, oh, you're only asking me. No, you didn't ask the customer in front. If they needed help, you asked me sort of things. But um, yeah, I think it is very, very important to you know, respect those boundaries really and you know, try and build a better understanding and be able to help support those people in the right way, really, rather than making them feel that you're sort of looking down on them because you feel like they need help. 
Yeah, I think that really comes into the pride thing that Tom was mentioning in his piece of advice earlier. Like, I think that would definitely come from a place of pride where people are like, oh no, I don't want any help or that kind of thing. But to be able to accept help is actually a really big part of like looking after yourself and actually taking care and accepting help from other people is a really big part of like making sure you are part of that community and making sure that the people do get the support that they need. And Juliet from our podcast group is back with the last piece of advice for today. Hi, I'm giving advice in response to the question, how can we better identify people who need our support and make sure we're preserving their dignity? People will not always ask for your help, even if they need it, even if they don't know that they need it, they just might not speak up. But if they do, then at least they've identified themselves, you know, makes your life that little bit easier. If they don't, then you have to look for cues in their behavior that leave an opening for support, for kindness. If you notice someone is, for example, repeatedly skipping meals, maybe you can try and figure out if they would still skip that meal if you had too many leftovers or if you shared something. If you see someone who's been acting out of character, more tired, more negative, or just a bit quieter, maybe it's worth checking in. Might be nothing. Or they might not want to talk about whatever the nothing is, but knowing that someone cares might still help them. You can't help people who refuse it, but you can focus on helping them feel supported without them losing face. So Emma, what do you think of Juliet's advice? Yeah, the way she talks, she's just so wise. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just listening and I'm just like, wow, this person, like, they're just, yeah, so wise. I honestly, it's so lovely from what she was saying, just knowing that even if you're willing to, to help people and you're willing to like solve a problem for them, if you like, but they might not always want that. But knowing that you've put yourself out there is still a really good thing. And actually, that even if you, they have like refused your support, the fact that you've given it can still, that can still make a difference to know that for next time they can come to you if they do change their mind or something. That's a very, really sweet advice. I think it's amazing how, you know, just looking at people's cues um, and just being there for support even in the littlest things, can really help someone get through something that you might not even know that they're facing. I also think it's important to kind of be there because like as you mentioned, it could be in your social circle and they might not have known that you cared on that kind of level. This has been a great chat about such an important topic. Thank you to Craig, Hannah and Emma. I feel like I'll need to take some time to think about how to apply the advice we've heard to my own life. But what resonated with the group the most and which piece of advice will they apply? Craig, let's start with you. So as Hannah said, really, I think giving a smile to strangers really does go a long distance. It's those little things. It's those little acts of kindness that really do make a difference to people's lives. Something that's kind of stuck with me was what Emma said about having some compassion to people um, and just putting yourself in like their position and kind of just feeling what they feel. And I feel like that is something that you should take with you, with every single person that you meet. And I think it's just a key skill to have. I was going to say that, Hannah. <laughs> I was going to say about what Tom Kerridge was saying about compassion. I feel like that was really lovely. But I think I will take away just reminding myself of my own moral compass 
And that if there are things that I come across in everyday life where I think, oh, I'm not so sure about that, or I don't really agree, I'm going to try and stand up and say something that I don't agree with that. A few weeks have passed since this discussion, and each host has kept audio diaries on their progress. Here's Hannah sharing how she's been getting on with her bit of advice. Hi, I was trying out being more compassionate and treating people how you would like to be treated and approaching people in a way that doesn't overstep their boundaries but also supports them and helps them in a friendly manner. Um, I was recently at an event where I, you know, I asked if there was any like elderly people. I'd go up to them and say, oh, do you want some help? Do you need me to do anything for you? Do you want a cup of tea? And I think doing stuff like that is important because it sustains our community and it creates new connections with different people who you wouldn't normally meet on a daily basis. I think it went well. I'm feeling great. I think I've also, you know, improved my happiness because I, you know, helped someone and supported them in that way. I learned that it's important to think about what you're going to do before you do it. There's no point jumping into something and overstepping someone's boundaries or because we don't actively go out to not be compassionate. I think what happens is that we rush into things and we kind of forget that we want to help, but we need to help in the best way possible for somebody else. Tune in next week to hear how Hannah's advice has worked out for her when we'll listen to her final audio diary. So go on, what little piece of advice could you try out from this episode too? Coming up next week, we'll be hearing from three more young people as they dive into another topic that affects us all, mental health. We'll be hearing how to deal with change, how to build a healthy mind and addressing the stigma around poor mental health. It's a big one and we'll see you there. Bye for now. Navigating Now is a Max Creative production brought to you by the Duke of Edinburgh's Award with generous support from the Gosling Foundation and RSM. The original theme music is by Capt, a young person from our podcast group. And a huge thank you goes out to our podcast group, made up of 31 recent and current Duke of Edinburgh's Award participants. I've been your host, Elsie, and we've been Navigating Now. We are all unique, and the issues discussed may impact and affect everyone in different ways. The thoughts and guidance shared and discussed are suggestions and possible approaches, and you should always do what feels safe and right for you. If you've been affected by the issues in this episode, or want to find out more, please see the Duke of Edinburgh's Award website, dov.org, for some contacts and resources you may find useful. You can find the link to this in the show notes.